G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's talk today about reaching out to other nations with the gospel and having a truly sustainable impact on communities when you're working in mission. One Heart is a not-for-profit foundation that was established back in 2007 out of Australia and working in Kenya in Africa. One Heart's primary focus is to change the future of orphaned and abandoned children living in poverty in Kenya and in turn see whole communities transformed through education, leadership, empowerment, and most importantly, love. Dean Landy is based in Melbourne. He's the founding director of One Heart Foundation. He's joining us. Hi, Dean. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you. Great to be with you today. Dean, you've been travelling to Africa and the nation of Kenya since 2007, and you've seen some amazing things develop in that time. That's true. Yeah, I guess we've been able to get an amazing insight into a particular country in Africa and in the time we've been travelling there actually see it transform quite a lot and I guess to a degree really separate where the, uh, the government's going towards a new constitution but there's still such big social issues that need to be addressed. You've had this focus on the children but if you can look after the children you're actually contributing into families. That's right. I guess the view I've always had is that if we wanted to work in a country, be it in Kenya or any other third world nation, we really need to look at long-term cultural change to be able to see, uh, to really tackle the issues of poverty. So the best way to do that is to really start working with children. And I think we have had the approach that um, I've never wanted to do what I call a Band-Aid solution, to go into a place and just do a very short-term experiment or social program or anything like that where we just see uh, the small impact we can make. We've had the long-term strategy to reach the most disadvantaged children in the most impoverished regions of the world, and we're, we're starting in Kenya. So One Heart as a foundation is really growing, and what we're doing in Kenya is focusing on four key pillars, which we're starting to really build on this year, which is around care, holistic care, education, sustainability and social impact. So that model that we're continuing to work on since 2007 um, has really ramped up in the last uh, 18 months or so that we're starting to look at new villages now and then potentially beyond that as well. Dean, reflect for me for a few moments on what you might have understood in times past as a more traditional model of mission. In other words, a missionary goes into a village and it might be Africa, and they go there to establish a church and to get a program underway whereby they're translating the scriptures into that language so that people can benefit from the gospel. You have taken mission endeavor to a new level in what you're doing, this whole idea of sustainable communities. Uh, Explain to us just how important it is that there's a bit of a change in the way that missionaries do missionary work these days, and all of these other areas are important for mission activity. Yeah, look, I think 
I like to look at it that we can all work to our, our strengths. So my actual job and my business is, is an architect and urban designer, so I have a, a big focus on uh, how the built form and environments can actually influence people's lives, health and well-being here in Australia. So the model of One Heart in, in, uh, internationally or in, in Kenya in this instance is really we don't, we're not involved in planting churches or anything like that. We're a tax-deductible, not-for-profit organisation, so we're purely focused around the uh, well-being and poverty alleviation side of things. And my view is that if we can address the simplest things to care for the widows and orphans, quite literally, as we're instructed to do, then in doing that, we each play our part in how we can transform people's lives. Uh, in different countries, uh, in our villages in Kenya, the the local church is a big part of the local community and, and we are connected to that. But I guess our primary, primary focus is really building stronger around providing the tools to allow people to be lifted out of poverty, not just a handout. So our core focus is around we're establishing and building schools. Uh, the school, uh, everything we do feeds into a sustainable model. I don't use that term lightly in that it's socially sustainable where we're looking at integrating orphan and abandoned children back into the family unit and our social workers are connecting with any relatives they may still have. From an environmental sustainable point of view, we have our own farms, so we're producing our own water, electricity, uh, food, sewage treatment, so we're sustainable in that matter element and most importantly why I think we're doing things a lot differently and continuing to grow is around our model of financial sustainability. What I've learnt over the years and what I've seen is a lot of organisations can go in with a, a big burst of energy and totally rely on foreign aid and once that money starts to dry up the program uh, disappears and people can be left in a pretty dire situation in the, uh, the, the countries that they're in. So our underlying pillar of financial sustainability means that every venture we take on has to have a business mindset to it that it can start to become financially self-sustainable itself over time so that we're not limited by uh, this one village capped out with ongoing costs. Our school can start to generate income, our vans, our produce, our farm, um, our skills training centre. We can give back to the communities with uh, uh, different grants and uh, Education scholarships, so we can have a real big impact on the community around us, but with the standard of education we're now providing, we've ranked third in the entire region in our first six months of operation, we're starting to attract higher fee-paying students, and their fees can then offset the cost of our orphan and abandoned children. So over a number of years, we start to create a model that is running itself, and at that point, we can start to replicate it and reach more children. How important is it if you are working in a circumstance, a situation like you are there in Kenya, to actually have a model and uh, to fine-tune it, to tweak mm. it, to make sure that the model works because what you're endeavouring to do is break the cycle of poverty and it's actually a sophisticated, necessary model that you've got to work with to actually make that happen and make sure it's successful. That's right. And it's something we're still continuing to refine and even with the restructuring within our own board over the last six to eight months is to really bring on some high-skilled individuals in, in this different areas of expertise so that we can really refine our model. And the key reason we are is that I've found over the many years of doing fundraising and the like, there's a fundamental shift happening. I think I've, I use the quote that charity's changed, that we need to adapt to the current culture that we, we are fundraising in, that we're working in. And as an employer, I even see uh, people coming to work with us where they ask the question now, not just us, but big businesses in Australia, 
what's your, how are you giving back? What's your social impact? And they want to, this millennial generation, want to be part of an organisation that have uh, a connection to something bigger than themselves. So we understand that point of view because I'm in that world as well, if you like. So One Heart, when we talk about our fourth pillar of social impact, is really trying to connect businesses, professionals and individuals here in Australia to something bigger than themselves. So people from all walks of life. And, and then that way, we take them over to Kenya. We do this thing called Run From Poverty, where we're connected with some of the best Olympians in the world. Uh, we stay in high altitude training camp, and I don't even run, but it's part of the experience. But we go over and uh, spend time in the community, build in our village, spend time with the kids, uh, associate with these world-class athletes, and then we do a, a community fun run and engages the entire community in the region we're working in. We get the governors and businesses come and support us. But the key is, in Australia, we're not just doing fundraise drivers. Every person coming over needs to raise $10,000 themselves. So they then get creative and go out and do bike rides and trivia nights and, and corporate dinners and all these sorts of things, and it gets this ripple effect going out. So what we're enjoying now is the process, the proceeds of that, where bigger, bigger businesses are getting on board from mining companies in South Africa that just came through and were amazingly donated $65,000 to us to start another wing of our high school, through to local businesses here, engineers, and people are having fun with it. That's the thing that I think has changed. If we can shift the mindset from... As a, as a charity with our handout type of mentality to how can we create a win-win situation here that on the ground in Kenya, at the end of the day, children's lives are being transformed, but businesses in Australia are actually getting to be involved in that social impact process. It's a whole different way of thinking. You know, it's exciting hearing you reflect on these things, and there's an awful lot in what you just said. But when we talk about applying our own creativity to the way we do missions, you're right there on the cutting edge and really applying entrepreneurism principles to the way that you might be involved in missions. Dean Landy is our guest. Dean, stay with us. We'll come back and talk some more about what you're doing there in Kenya in just a few moments. Dean is the founding director of One Heart Foundation. We're back with more shortly. We're taking some time to talk about what sustainable mission work looks like. And as we heard in our last segment, that terminology not to be taken lightly. When you hear that word sustainable, sometimes it's used as a throwaway word in so many different contexts. But when we talk about missionary activity, there is a desire in the heart of Dean Landy, the founding director of One Heart Foundation, that what's happening in their mission work in Kenya truly will be sustainable. Sustainable. And when we hear some of the things that are going on there with the work that you're doing, Dean, and we mentioned that word entrepreneurism in mission, that's really something that you have got your teeth into and creativity is abounding in the way that you're working there in Kenya. Yeah, and that's a big part of what we're about is trying to challenge the norm, I guess, the traditional model. And in our current culture here in business and what we do on a day-to-day basis is really starting to look at how can we introduce the concept of entrepreneurialism not just to business but into what would be defining as missions or into social justice causes where there can be a true win-win situation. I see it as this shared value approach is a term I often use. I've just been working on the last couple of years on a book around creation of new communities and how we can do it differently. And a paradigm shift that I'm seeing is around shared value where organisations can have this win-win outcome. 
You've got a working model on the ground there in Kenya. If you're giving us a quick snapshot, uh, just remind us or give us a snapshot of uh, what you see when you uh, when you're thinking about the work that's begun there in Kenya. And I know that there are 75 children who are uh, in the orphan care program that you've got there. But how does it look? Because you've mentioned schools, yeah. you've mentioned health. Uh, what does it look like? So what we have done since we first started as a quick snapshot to get the model up and running because a lot of people thought it was a great idea but is he ever actually going to do it? Uh, it originated in our church in Destiny Centre in Victoria as an idea and we're able to grow it where we rented some buildings and we proved the model and we started the child sponsorship and, and we could see that it worked. What we've done over the last little while is to uh, really grow that now so that it's, it's a it's standalone not-for-profit organisation as a registered charity so that we've been able to expand it. So we have a farm on site in Kenya, which is around 21 acres. We have the first stage of a primary school. So the primary school uh, provides an education to our own one-heart kids. And when I say that, we are the legal guardians for 75 orphaned and abandoned children. And they're currently living in three family home units. So we don't want to... I don't think of it as an orphanage. I think of them as recreating a family model. So a family of 24 to 26 children made up of kids from all different ages and different uh, tribal backgrounds. The tribal issue is a very big thing in Kenya still. And it actually starts to create a true family unit. We have parents and then with a a family that size you can imagine they need some help. So we have the cleaners and the cooks and then we have social workers and a whole support network. So that's our homes. Then on the same property, we technically define them as boarding houses because our school provides the basis for their education and in their education model, then they have that boarding facility, which is the home. But the school then, to broaden our impact, is providing the best quality education we can to this whole region. So our 75 kids, uh, their costs are offset by the fee-paying students on the broader catchment and the immediate neighbours and some of the other local children around, we're starting to offer scholarships so we can have a real impact as a give back to the community, where our immediate community, that is. And then on top of that, we have, we're developing this year, skills training centres where we can partner with, so strategic partnerships are a big part of what we're looking to do, with hospitals, with IT organisations, with farming, agricultural organisations, to be able to upskill the people within our community as well through our training centre. On top of that, we have a farm. So we then have a 1,200-head chicken farm, a dairy farm, fish farms, and uh, we're constantly looking at different forms of agriculture. We have maize farms and vegetables, and we just built our first greenhouse. So all of those things generate an income but also benefit the children in our care. In the not-too-distant future, we'll be building a fourth home, so we'll have 100 children in our village and probably pushing up towards 600 students in our school, and then that model starts to, to run itself. Down to the detail of our school vans even, we're able to attract funding for a school van which serves its purpose during the day, but with our way of thinking we think how can we make everything work as hard as we can. So we hire our vans out to hotels back in the city to transport their staff. We supply drivers so our vans generate an income and cover their own costs. So always trying to think that way as well. And then working with, as I said, partnerships within the community to really be able to embed ourselves and work with existing organisations rather than reinventing the wheel every time. And that plays a bigger part of it as well. So that when we uh, look at our own school, for instance, we have one of the best music programs in the region. We were selected by an organisation out of the US 
called Maziki, and we have a whole a fully um, a full-blown brass band and choir that are now travelling around Kenya uh, doing different performances, and the value add that brings to the kids is just incredible to go, if you can picture these kids that have been living on the street, scavenging through tips for food to survive, to now be in a loving home, getting an education with parents to care for them. In a music program, we've built a sports field. We have one of the best sports fields in the region where we're starting athletics and soccer. It's just um, such a significant shift in these children. And as much as I talk about all this sustainability in our model and all of those things, at the end of the day, the core thing we're about is changing the lives of our kids. So when I can see some of them go from barely no education, no family, no support, to then graduate within six years in the 95th percentile of all of Kenya and be graduated and accepted into a national, an elite national school and be on path to fulfil their dream of becoming a neurosurgeon, that for me right there is what it's all about. Yeah. Dean, when you do things well, when you do things with a high standard, uh, we used to use the terminology and it still gets around and sometimes a little bit loosely used, but this idea of excellence and doing things well it does tend to attract attention and uh, people who want to do things well want to get alongside you. Have you found that uh, that as you've put your hand to the plough that others have drawn alongside because they can see that you've got a really good sustainable plan that's going to work? Yes, and that's why we're putting quite a bit of attention on that and continuing to grow it. I'm not saying we've perfected it yet, but in my mind of being able to connect with businesses and the like in Australia we need to be able to be operating on that professional level. If we're just going to be amateur organisation, just walking around with a handout, scrap together some money to do this uh, program overseas, it's just the wrong way to approach it. I think fundamentally these sorts of organisations need to be thinking on a professional level and be able to connect with different organisations, businesses, and that we can talk about our model, that we can talk about sustainability and levels of excellence, and they're the things we need to be addressing because it's exactly like you say, people realise it's considered, they realise it's, it's, it's presentable and it's professional, that they're willing to connect, say, their brand or their business to it, especially when we're talking about corporate social responsibility partners, that they become partners with us in social change. Because what you're talking about is connecting with all facets of society in a community, and you're working there in Kenya. So you've got business uh, communities relating with business communities. You've got this social responsibility that you're talking about. It really is the community influence that is just waiting to happen. One of the big things we focus on is that it's not if I use the term loosely, white guys going over and solving their social issues. We don't have any Australians on the ground in our projects. We're about empowering local people to address local issues. So often when I go over there, even though we are meeting with different businesses and different levels of government, in the village on the ground, it doesn't, they don't really need to know that we're behind it because we've got a great board on the ground, we've got great management, and they're seeing the outcome in what we're doing there as opposed to going over and being seen as an organisation that's um, there, I guess, to, there in, I guess, the point of view of coming to make a change to their culture. We want to do it within their culture but bring a level of excellence and professionalism to it and empower them to do it themselves. 
Well, Dean, I want to point our listeners to your website where they can find more detail about what you're doing. One Heart Foundation is the name of the organisation that Dean Landy is the founding director of. Now, the website is www.oneheart.foundation. That's www.oneheart.foundation. Uh, Dean Landy, just great getting your insights today and I look forward to another time we'll have a catch-up and uh, find out about new developments and, and to explore some more about this sustainable idea, breaking the cycle of poverty and taking mission work to a whole new level. Dean, thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.